Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you that we can gather in your name and you are here. Your promise is that you're here in the midst with us. And Lord, we want to honor you. We want to bring you glory in all that we say and do. Lord, you prepared good works in advance that we would walk in them. Um, and that pleases you. And Lord, we're just here to say we love you. We worship you. We want to give you ourselves and um, to encourage one another. So Lord, we lift up your name today and invite you just to uh, be Lord in the, all the rest of this service as well. Amen. And Michelle. It's not this whole book, don't worry, <laughs> just a page. <laughs> so it, this uh, kind of goes together with one of the, the verses there in the worship where it said, uh, he is putting us back together. So I think this kind of goes today. Um, this is what I heard on Friday, so I wrote it down as I heard it. If you feel as though you're in a rough patch, then it's a reminder that a patch is only temporary. A patch supports a surrounding area that needs attending to, as it might seem frayed or frazzled, a little fuzzy around the edges. But when it is tightly woven together in order to knit somewhat, then the patch will appear as though it were a lovely invention, as it can be made to make, to look, or seem new. I think that the Lord wants us to gather our thoughts a bit by not leaving them to go in so many different directions. As it is though you're about to go down a slide and someone seems to push you so that you end up on the bottom all of a sudden without even allowing you to pause for a moment in order to gather your thoughts. The Lord doesn't want us to be in disarray. So an attempt to walk down the ladder and take it step by step is probably the best especially when you're feeling the demands of everyone around you. You don't want to be comatose, but fresh and anew. The challenge is to give yourself enough rest when needed, especially if there seems to be a battle going on in your mind. A fluid thought can carry well when we have allowed the Lord to take our worries and cares from us, then leaving little doubt that he will carry you and support you from the moment that you call to him. We are a byproduct of what we think and do. You might want to sever some ties that leave you feeling sour. Couple verses, Psalm 37, 23, 24. This is what it says. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. He delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Psalm 41, 3, 1 to 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. So to summarize, I believe that if we wait patiently for the Lord, he'll set our paths straight, and thus creating a new song with praise, which will welcome his grace and fullness. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Here comes Sean. You look happy. I'm very happy. <laughs> I wasn't planning on sharing, but the Lord uh, got it from Sue Gord. So, as you know, uh, over a year and a half ago, our roof collapsed on our patio and pushed in our house. And it, our house was a when we got it was a, a bit of a mess. It, it's a blessing, but we we were like, it needs so much work, Lord. Like, what are we gonna do? We can't afford it, and we can't afford this, and. But we know that God, God gave us that house. Like, if you know the story, he gave us a house. We, didn't we weren't approved for mortgage. So that, all this is happening. And through all of it, our house 
is being transformed. One of um, Teresa's closest friends came from Lacrete, 21 hours. She's a painter and she painted the outside of our house and it looks absolutely stunning. And the workers have been coming in all summer long and it's been chaotic, but our house looks beautiful. And the transformation is incredible. And I feel like the Lord is saying to us, the transformation is hard, but it's beautiful. And it takes time, but it's not in our time. It's in his time. So we all are still transforming, but it's happening quicker, if you notice. It's at a faster speed. And we have to contend for that. You know, I had to contend. I had to, you know, contend with the builders and this and that and that. And God says, stir yourself. David stirred himself up. He contended to be in, that pres in the presence of the Lord. And when we do that with patience, God's going to transform us into and bring us to places we never thought possible. And our house is just an outside look at what he's doing inward with our family. And with this family here, he's transforming this place. He, like... It's funny, our place is getting painted, this is getting painted, things are new, we're getting new signage, everything is new, so be open to hear what he has and to say yes to him and watch the transformation take place. It's amazing. Yeah, good word, Sean. Yeah, to be open, right? To keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. I'm just going to see if, if I'm... If I'm Am I on here? I did. Oh. So uh, Bruce and Janice, Pastor Bruce and his wife Jan, who's been winning the battle, thank you, love, uh, with cancer for three and a half years, and they had four sessions in Abbotsford Hospital this week, so it's a little overwhelming. And uh, God just gave them a word of hope in, uh, in the midst of, it doesn't usually show up up there, actually just shows up up here. Gave them a word of hope in the midst of, um, you know, just a really uh, challenging time. So uh, he's having a, a day off. So we're going to do part two of uh, First John. And maybe we're going to have a PowerPoint and maybe we won't. It's all good. Oh, it's, oh, there it is. It's behind me. See, it doesn't show up on. Thanks, Gord. Hallelujah. Nice to be married to a techie. Bless the Lord. So I just want to uh, throw out just a few uh, prayer things before we start. Um, Hank's daughter, Carol, missionary in Costa Rica, and has had also a battle with cancer, and they just found another tumor, and she's going for scans. So, Lord, we just declare healing over Carol in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you for what you're bringing her through. We thank you for the apostle she is to that area and that she is bringing hope and healing and salvation to many, many children. They work with kids. So we just speak healing over Carol. And we thank you that you said to the disciples, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And so we speak healing over Carol. We speak healing over Jan. We just continue to speak healing. We thank you that she's already beaten all the odds in Jesus' name. Lord, we speak healing over Emma, Sky's daughter Emma, who just had a baby boy, the little baby brother of the delightful little girl that's running around, and Emma's having a bit of a time with overwhelm and nursing and stuff, and we just speak blessing over Emma. We speak that this will be the thing that brings her into the kingdom of heaven, Lord, that she will just cry out to you in this time of feeling uh, inadequate and overwhelmed, and that she will find the sufficiency of Christ in all things. We bless Emma in the name of Jesus. For my friend Adra, 57 years old, that I met with yesterday, uh, who has early onset dementia, we say, Lord, heal. Lord, heal. Lord, stop. Stop the deterioration. Restore. Make new. We pray, Lord. We pray healing on that woman in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that there is hope in you. We thank you that you said, ask and you will receive. You said to knock and keep on knocking. You said to seek, and we will find. And we thank you that you're a faithful God. We thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We thank you that we are not without hope or without God in the world, but that you found us and that we said yes 
and you came in and you did just what Sean was talking about. You transformed us from the inside out. We were born of the Spirit of God. We were made new. The light chased out the darkness. Father, and you made us new. You made us whole. You made us a taste of heaven on earth so that the world could know that you're alive and that you're invested in the things that you have made and that you sent Christ to pay for our sin and to reunite us with the Father. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the blood of Christ that washes us from every sin. And thank you that it's there for the whole world if they will acknowledge and say yes to that open door of Jesus. In the mighty name, Jesus. So, so uh, I was in the, the letter. The, I had the, the epistle of 1 John, and the more I'm in it, I said the wonders of 1 John. I'm loving John. So if you weren't here last week, uh, let's just do a little review, and maybe you know something about John. John the Apostle, does he have some nicknames? Anybody know? You, if you're here last week, just throw it out. John the Beloved, he's like Jesus' closest friend. Anything else? Son of Thunder, okay, James and John, Son of Thunder. Lord, let us call down fire on these guys, and Jesus is like, cool it, bros, like a little, little much, right? Okay, so the son of thunder writes this incredible epistle. Anything else? He's the revelator. He's John of that wrote uh, the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos. He's also called the eagle of Patmos because his gospel, the gospel of John, he also wrote first, second, and third John, is from this high perspective of Jesus, all of the I am's. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. That's John. And so uh, John... <clears throat> Is a, is a wonder to read and to just uh, camp in for a while. Lorraine loves that word. And, um, and just feast on the things that he said because as he opens the gospel, he says, we are telling you about what we have seen, what we have touched with our hands, what we have heard. I camped with Jesus. That's what John is saying. I know him. And I am not going to tell you he's just a man. I'm going to tell you he's the son of God, that he existed, and he made everything. He is the son of God and the savior of the world. So, John, it's so funny. Just wave your hand at me if you're wearing black and white today or black. Okay? Okay, look around the room. Hilarious. And Sue and Teresa are both in black and white polka dots. And, I, I, like, it, it, I... So one of my things with John when I was reading through this time, and I'm really sorry we have this post here. Like, you guys are like, hello, you back there. Um, when I was reading through John this time, I was like, you know, Paul is really black and white, right? Paul is like, shoot from the hip. So is John. You know, I always sort of considered John as the apostle of love, you know, the, the, that, he's, that we always think about beloved. Here we are children of God. But John is very black and white. In fact, the, the whole epistle is full of contrasts. So uh, you, you know these. This is not your first rodeo. You know some of these. So um, God is light. What would contrast with light? Darkness. Okay, so he's going to talk about light and darkness a lot. It was really cool in the songs this morning, Brian. You had, uh, you are light, you are love, you bring or light. I can't remember. You bring light to the darkness, right? And, um, and, and those are just pulled straight out of the, the, the letter, the epistle of John. So tell me, what do you think of when you think of an atmosphere of light? Shout out words. Glory. Kindness, hope, beauty, clarity. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path, right? What else? Shining, brightness, life. Why? Because you need light to grow. Things grow in light, okay? If you see a dark, dark uh, forest, and nothing is really thriving and growing in that area. But as soon as light breaks in, it dispels darkness. And life and light go together, don't they? Right? Just tell me about darkness. We won't do all there. Don't worry. Death. Hidden. Scary. Dangerous. Terrible. 
bondage, putrefaction, I like that one, decay, death, the end, fading, stillness. Okay, so such a, it's so contrastive. And so Christ came, God sends Christ to rescue us, it says, from the dominion of darkness and pull us into the kingdom and, and transfer us to the kingdom of the son he loves, the kingdom of light. So John is going to focus on this a lot. So I just want to have some of these images. Okay, the next, the next big contrast, uh, life and death. Love, what's the opposite? Hate. Let's go with hate and then some of the, some of the subcategories. So tell me about love. Synonyms for love or what does, what's love's MO? Forgiveness. Kindness. Patient. Oh, this sounds like fruit of the spirit. Purity. Peace. Grace. Wait a minute. How come you, John, you said that. Well, come on, Bruce. You missed it. I can't believe that. That's like a first. It's a great group. That's, that's Bruce's favorite word. Oh, he gave someone else a chance. Because love is selfless. Love is selfless. Hate is selfish. That's a really, really important one. Love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Because John is going to say, you're going to lay down. I laid down my life, Jesus for my friends, and, and I'm calling on you to lay down your life for your friends, okay? So love, and, and then hate. We had a few words already. I heard anger. Oh, that's good. We're not so familiar with hate. Love it. Selfishness. Destruction. Violence. Bitterness torment yeah it's it's ugly it's ugly out there and then uh one of one of other uh john's other let's try again one other strong contrast is uh with truth and he talks a lot about truth and the opposite would be lies thank you jenny right on that and deception so tell me about truth Straightforward, sets us free, honesty, clarity. All of these things kind of overlap, don't they? Brings light. It's usually quite simple. Don't you find lies are really complex and complicated? Yeah, truth is often very simple. And um, undisputable, cuts cleanly, plain. When someone tells the truth, it's like, it's, it's, like, it's like a lightning strike, right? And lots of just the darkness and the, the lies are dispelled. So uh, lies, deception, tell me a little bit about that. We all know the opposite. Complicated. Confused. Sneaky. Twisted. Dark. Perverted. Something added or something taken away. From the truth, right? Might be a little bit of truth in there, but there's just enough that it's distorted, right? That's confusing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Complicated, partial. Um, yeah. So we're just going to look at um, a lot of these images were covered in, uh, in first and second. We covered the first two chapters of First John. So if you have, have your Bible, that's okay, or you can follow along on the screen if you're not familiar with um, the teaching method I use, this is like kindergarten on steroids. <laughs> so this is a teaching method that uses something very visual, and we mark words. We mark keywords and common words, and it just causes us, you know, Scripture, Paul says to Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman who correctly handles the Word of God. Because if you go proof texting and said, I've got this idea, and look, here's one Bible verse that supports it. Then I'm going to sort of say, where'd you get that Bible verse, honey? Because it's got a context, and context kind of tells us how to understand the verse. Okay, so uh, studying this method makes us slow down, and we're going to put some symbols on things. We're not going to do it all. I'm going to do a lot. I'm going to do it for you, but you're going to help me, okay? Are we good? 
It won't hurt, honest. Okay? So uh, see, this is uh, 1 John 3, see how great a love the Father has. What does he do? Gives. He has given us that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. I love that, right? John's black and white. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Any words that, you, that stand out to you there? Give. Know. So K-N-O-W, know. And so John is writing to a group of people who are being bombarded by Gnostics. G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. Gnostics. Gnostics. And the, and the word for know in Greek is, is uh, gnosis. So that's where Gnostics comes from, but we don't pronounce the G. So Gnostics were saying, it doesn't matter what you do with your body, only the spirit matters. So sin is going to abound, and we're going to see the word sin a, a bit here. So John says, see how great, uh, oh, look, that moved. That's supposed to be over love. So there's, there, oh, this might get interesting. Bear with me. So the uh, love, see how great a love the Father has given. NIV says, has lavished on us, bestowed on us this incredible love from the Father that we would be called, okay, all of my boxes are in the wrong places and I don't know why. Uh, so that's supposed to be around children. So child, that we would be called children of God. And in fact, we are. For this reason, the world does not gnosis us. So that when you've heard this word before with people teaching on it, the same word, Adam knew his wife Eve. That's the example they always use, right? That it's a knowledge, an experiential knowledge. The world is not going to know us because it did not know Christ. So we are called into being children of God. What does Jesus say about children in the kingdom? Okay, do you remember the, the beginning of that verse, actually, what he, before he says that? He's teaching, and there's Pharisees in the group, and it's actually amongst the disciples, an argument breaks out of who is the greatest. And Jesus says, and here's the part we, I never quote, and you didn't either. Unless you change, unless you turn, Unless you repent, unless you do something differently than the way you're doing religion right now, that's not kingdom. Unless you change and become like children, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. Bang! That's, that's heavy stuff, right? That's what Jesus says. He said, and he's talking to the disciples at that point. And they're trying to figure out, you know, well, you know, Jesus shared bread with me, and Jesus said this to me, and I was the one that said he was the Christ, and they're all trying to figure out who's the greatest. And they're like, he's like, you're missing it, guys, unless you change and become like children. And then he goes on to explain that the point of commonality with the child is what? what? What is he saying? We have to be like children. Why? Because they are humble. Unless you become humble. Unless you become humble like a little child, because a little child isn't presuming to have any, any, any point in the, you know, in, in the play. He he's just shows up and expects that good will happen for him. <laughs> it's not his responsibility. And unless you become like children and, and depend on the Father and humble ourselves to receive what the Father has. So how great a love the Father has had Oops. What do I need to do, hon? Not working. We're getting, we have, we have a new computer ready to be installed Monday. <laughs> okay, Lolo, if you could just put up the, put up the uh, text just from the internet and then... Uh, we won't have the markings, but that's okay. We'll pretend.
So John says, God has given us the right to become children of God, and that's what we are. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared. I'm reading from the NASB. Uh, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. Now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. What is he talking about there? We haven't yet received our eternal bodies. And so he's going to use this word appear a couple times. And it hasn't appeared yet what we will be. We know, Gnosis, that when he appears, Christ's second coming, when he appears, we will be like him. We will be like him. Because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope set on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Okay. Is that is that the PowerPoint or is that just the Okay, are my symbols in, gonna work in there or not? So far? Okay. Okay, well here we go. So beloved, click click. Now we are children. That's and they're they're offset for some reason, children of God, and it has not appeared as yet. Okay, that's all messed up. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. What we will be, we know that when he, so the red cross is for Christ. Okay, so I mark God with a purple triangle and Christ with a red cross. So let's just look at this. We know that, don't click anything yet, Lolo. We know that when he appears, Christ, we will be like him. Who's the him? Jesus, because we will see him, Jesus, just as he is. So go ahead and put those ones in, Lorraine. Thank you. And everyone who has this hope set on him, Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. So in that last paragraph, do you, does anybody see a phrase that's repeated? Okay, we have we, some we wills. How about just as he is? Anybody see that? How many times? Twice just as he is and one like him. So you see, when, when you do this, it makes you slow down and go, oh, he actually said that twice. Just as he is. Just as he is. I just want you to say it out loud just as he is let's say just as jesus is just as jesus is because because john is really big on our being disciples who are little christs because the light has come into you and the life has come into you and the darkness has been dispelled and the death is gone and that where you go you bring life and you bring kingdom and there's not anything gray about it John's like, this is pretty black and white. And, and, and the contrast is stark. So, uh, and he says, we will be like him, like Christ. You will be like the son of God. We are like the son of God. How? We have the son of God dwelling in us by the Holy Spirit already. Are we there yet? No, he's going to talk a fair bit about sin, so we know we're not there yet. But we will, we will be like him and we will be transformed Okay, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, that's just a mess. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Lawlessness is a pretty biblical word, world, bleh, word because uh, at the end of time before Christ comes, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. We don't want to be a man of lawlessness or associated with an antichrist spirit. So sin and lawlessness are equated, and John wants this to be clear. So we're going to see this word um, repeated quite a few times. So just look up for words that are repeated. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared, 
So he, he will appear the second time. He appeared the first time, and John uses the word beginning, like, I don't know, a dozen times in these three chapters to say, this Jesus, he's from the beginning. He made everything, and he appeared in time for your benefit. He appeared in order to what? appeared in order to take away sins. You know, I have people that say, well, that's fine for you, Sue. That's your truth. And I'm like, there's only one person who can take away the sin. And then earlier in the book, in the, he says, he is the propitiation for our sin. And propitiation is a King, King James word for the appeasing sacrifice. The thing is, God isn't pleased with the sin in the world. His wrath had to be appeased. No one else could do it because no one else was perfect and could present a perfect sacrifice. What's going on with my tongue today? Anyway, um, so he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him, favorite phrase of Paul, John says it too, and in him, there is no sin. In light, there is no darkness. In perfection, in godliness, there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins continually. How do you not sin? You might sin, but you don't sin continually, okay? So we've got a verb and an adverb there. No one who sins continually, this is key, has seen him or knows him, okay? You can't say, John says, you can't say I'm in Christ and walk a life of sin continually, if your life is set to follow sin, you're not following Christ, black and white. There's no, there's no gray there. Now, do people sin and fall and stumble? Absolutely. He'll address that. But light dispels darkness in our heart because Jesus in me wants to please the Father. That's all he wants. He can't go dabbling in that stuff. I can't take him in stuff where he doesn't want to go because that's not who he is. Or knows him. Little children... Make sure no one deceives you. Some instruction here, right? There's people that are coming along and they're trying to say, eh, it's okay if you do that because it really doesn't matter. This has been, you know, it changes shape, but the, the, the same themes through the ages, right? Trying to make the gospel of no uh, power. Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as We've seen this before, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from when? The beginning, right? So, Lorraine, go ahead and see what, see what happens when we throw some of the symbols in there. Oh, look, those are actually almost in the right place. Good, good. Okay, he appeared. You know that. In him there is no sin. Okay, so lots of hymns. I like, in the Greek, it doesn't distinguish the pronouns between the father and the son, and you have to figure it out, and it's a little bit of brain work, and it's a good exercise, so that's why we do this in the NASB. He is righteous just as he is, so the one, okay, so we've got this word practices. Anybody notice how many times practices shows up? So practices is, is like another word for walking, Right? Walk in by the Spirit, walk in Him. It's another word for living and what you do. So what you do matters. What you do is an, the outworking of what you believe, right? So it matters. So anyone who practices sin is, if they continually are sinning, they don't know Christ or, or have seen Christ. And John's speaking from having seen and known Christ actually in the flesh. Um, but anyone who practices righteousness, I think there's a couple more symbols on there. <clears throat> yeah, some righteousness marked. Okay. <laughs> so we can we can practice so lot, sinning sinning continually. So there's the distinction. Because John says, if you say you have not sinned, you're a liar, because we all sin. But if you have a lifestyle of sin, if you're practicing sin. You're not in Christ. You need to be born again. If you are practicing righteousness, then um, you are being sanctified and made righteous as he is. We are made righteous and we're being sanctified. 
And so, you know, the devil, I, and when I do these things by hand, I use a pitchfork. And I couldn't find a pitchfork, and I could only find a fork. So, so they marked the devil with a fork. <clears throat> That's the devil. So um, lots of people don't, even in Christendom, don't talk about the devil anymore. John has quite a bit to say about the devil. And I, I don't like to elevate the devil, but you, we need to know there is a guy out there called the devil. Jesus talked about it. And he is out to take you down. What's his MO? You know this verse? The, the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That sounds a lot like the death and destruction and darkness and lies and deception, right? That's his realm. That's where he lives. And so people, when we are trying to reach people with the gospel and they're like, you guys, I, like, I've had people say to me, I've never even met anybody like you. Like, who lives like this? And I'd say, well, I do now, but I didn't always. But this is the place to live. This is the place to live because, because who wants all of that spinning of frustration and, and, and endless tension and stress and, and the things that the world brings that have absolutely no promise of hope in them. So here we are. Um, and then we have this word remains. No one who remains in him. And this is like John 15, abides. Where do you dwell? Where do you live? Where do you camp? Who is your source? If you remain in him, he will lead you. God pleases God. God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us into those, those things. So this is not a, John is not preaching a gospel of works. You know, if you read Ephesians 2 and it talks about he prepared in advance good works that we would walk in them. It's right after he says, you're not saved by works, right? But by grace. So it doesn't, one doesn't nullify the other. It's just saying, when you are truly transformed, thank you, Sean. When you are truly transformed, you're not going to want to sin. And so he, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. All right? And if you're a legalist, you're going to go, all right, I have to keep the commands, and then Jesus will love me. I don't think that's what he was saying. I would think he was saying, I already love you, and if you love me and let me live in you, you, have, you really have no other option but to keep my commands because me and you will keep the commands. Isn't that a lot easier? Isn't that like God living through us? Because if we have to do it, you know, have you done this? Beating your head on the wall, you know, ouch, harder, faster, stronger, you know, Lion King, what was it, the meerkat that says, your solution for everything is just to go faster. I can be like that. My solution could just be go faster, try harder. And the, and the father says, that's you, but actually the way I would do life is a little bit different. How about you just submit to me, right? Brian talking about submit, surrender, submitting to the Holy Spirit, submitting to the life of Christ in us who wants to live us, lead us to peace in him. Okay, Lorraine, let's hit it. Awesome. The Son of God. You got to love this verse. This is the second half of the verse before it. The Son of God appeared. He appeared. He appeared for this purpose. Let's say it loudly together. To destroy the works of the devil. Okay, the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Has he got it all done? Oh, people hesitant to answer this one. Yes, no, possibly. I don't want to say something that might be wrong. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Are the works of the devil all destroyed? Hmm, tricky, right? So Jesus goes to the cross and he says, it is finished. <clears throat> and then Paul says, you, the church, you will put your foot on the neck of the devil. We are walking out the victory of Christ. The enemy is the prince of this world and he's a squatter brother said this to me this week the lord said to him 
how much authority do I have? And he's like, all, all authority in heaven and earth and under the earth. And he said, how much did that leave to the devil? Big fat zero. He actually has no authority. He's a squatter. He is a squatter. And so Christ came to take away sin. Hallelujah. These are important things, right, when you're presenting the gospel. And to know in our hearts, because we talk about our identity, John knew his identity because he knew Jesus' identity. And when we know Jesus' identity, we will be secure in our identity. The Son of God appeared to take away our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. No one who has been born of God practices sin because his seed, who's the his there? You got a 50-50 chance. See, it makes you read carefully, doesn't it? No one who has been born of God practices sin because his seed remains in him, the person. And the person cannot sin continually because he has been born of God. So the antecedent, the thing that was just specified was God the Father, right? You are born of God by the seed of God. Seed in Greek is sperma. That's where we get our word sperm. So Mary is overshadowed by God, by the Holy Spirit, and becomes impregnated with the Son of God. But you, hallelujah, who are also children of God, sons and daughters of God, you were born again of the sperma of God. The seed of God is in you. And the good work he began in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Because God's seed is in you. You're not just adopted. I mean, love to say that, that we're adopted into the family. You are born again of the Spirit of God. No other faith, no philosophy can say, I am God's child by his seed. You are. That's incredible, isn't it? This is hidden in this little letter of John. John gets it. John understands. Welcome. I yell a bit. Don't be scared off. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who has been born of God practices sin because the sperma of God, the seed, remains. There's that word, remains. So the seed of God is in me. I'm born again by the Spirit of God. That seed is in me. And he is bringing that to perfection, completion in Christ. He's making us, he's sanctifying us and making us like Jesus. And there's that, that word remains, that, that, that thing is supposed to be on remains, that green uh, oval there, remains in him. So God is remaining in you. And what's your job? To remain in Christ, right? He remains in me and I remain in him. It's a really awesome symbiotic relationship, right? And he is the one that the life is in him. He is, doesn't just have life. He is life. You have the life of God in you. And he cannot sin continually because he's been born of God. So when we, we have situations where people fall away and um, in the New Testament times, pe people that continually sinned, they would cut them loose from the fellowship and say, if you're going to return to the world of darkness then we are going to take you out from the covering of the fellowship of light. And you go into the fellowship of darkness and find out that that was a bad choice and hopefully come back and be restored, right? By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious, right? I know we sometimes we have these debates, and John says, yeah, not so much. Like, it, there's ways to know. Anyone who does not practice righteousness... Oh, how did that little fork get over there? Oh, it's too high. Okay. That's the devil's fork up there. It's too high. But the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one, nor the one who does not love his brother and sister. So now we've got a new dimension here. Hangeth thou in there. 
Some of you are looking a little fuzzy, okay? I know it's the forks in the wrong places throwing you off. The children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. People in Christ practice righteousness because Christ is in them practicing righteousness. They don't do it perfectly. We all know that because none of us do it perfectly. But if you're practicing lawlessness, you are, you are not demonstrating that Christ is in you. So there's two, two signs here. What are they? That we know Christ is alive and well in you. One is that you practice righteousness. And what's the second one he just said? Love your brothers and sisters. Okay, so next, next screen there, little. Thanks. For this is the message that which you have heard from the beginning, that we are to love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, red fork there, and murdered his brother. And for what reason did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, but his brothers were righteous. Go ahead and throw up the symbols there, Lolo. I don't, yeah, oh, look, oh, they're almost in the right place. Good. Yeah, nice. I don't know what's going on there, but um, so, so what happened with Cain? What was his problem? Jealous. Okay. Abel's sacrifice was accepted by God. Cain's was rejected. He gets jealous and murders his own brother. So we, we now have this, um, this other qualification that, that people who are born of the Spirit of God are going to love other people who are born of the Spirit of God because my spirit witnesses with your spirit that, that God is in you, right? Everybody's had that experience where you meet someone for the first time and you don't know them from Adam or Eve, and you go, I like, I like that. I like Jesus in you. I like Jesus in you. We can connect here because Christ in us is, uh, is speaking to one another. Okay, go ahead, Lolo. Anything else there? Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Now, remember all the great things we said about life, right? Yeah, there's some cheering going on over here. Hallelujah. Because we love the brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Pretty clear, right? Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a naughty person. Oh, that's, it's John. It's not me. Is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. Wow. Okay, if you're in life and you're in love and you're in light, you cannot hate your brother because Jesus said, if you call your brother a fool, it's the same as having murder in your heart against him, right? So God takes this very seriously. He's a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life. Now, that doesn't mean someone who has murdered and repents and comes to Christ that we're talking about someone who's living with hatred in their heart towards a brother or sister. And we know love by this, that he, who's the he there, oh, gave it away. Lolo's right on it. He, Jesus, laid down his, Jesus's life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. Now, Gord will tell you, my husband will tell you, I really do not like shoulds or oughts. And if you want to get me to do something, probably don't come at me with should and ought because sin in me rises up and kind of wants to go into rebellion and say, you could ask me to do this thing. So we, uh, we have this joke at, at our house about, oh, I should, should I? And I'm like, well, let me, let me, let me pray about that. <laughs> um, so what does, what, does jo- <clears throat> Excuse me, what does John say? He says... Um, you, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and sisters. NIV says we must. I don't think that's a suggestion. Who knew John was so black and white, right? The, the apostle of love. He, he doesn't pull any punches. Don't be surprised. So look at all. Oh, Okay, did you see how many times brothers and sisters were in there before we showed you? So I marked brothers and sisters the same as children. Because maybe we just haven't had this revelation. The brothers and sisters 
the people that are born again of the sperma of God, the life of God in you, we call them brothers and sisters, but we need to recognize that is a child of God. 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 And when I interact with them, I'm interacting with God in you, the seed of God. And so God takes very seriously how we treat brothers and sisters. And look at this, brothers and sisters. So we use this children of God. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. We're children of God. We say, oh, brother, you know, brother Ted or whoever, you know, brothers and sisters. But I think what John is understanding here is much deeper because he knows that there is eternity. There is the divine. You know, Paul says we share in the divine nature. I think when we understand the privilege of, of the holiness of partaking, partaking in the divine nature, we would not think of this. Only God would do this. Only God is secure enough to say, I'm God. There's enough of me to share around. How magnanimous of God to say, I am going to give a part of me to my children. Now, if you have kids or you see people who have kids that you kind of go, okay, that's their dad. I remember one time we used to be missionaries in Africa, Bible translators, and Gord's American, and I'm Canadian, and we're trying to get into the States, I think. And the kids all have, they're on my Canadian passport. You could do that at the time. We got three boys, and they look like they're cut of the same cloth, like they're our brothers. And they're trying to say that, uh, you know, prove the children are ours. And I'm like, who's stealing them? Like, mom and dad are here, and the kids are here. And I'm like, look at Gord, look at these three kids, and kind of go, uh, these are, that's their dad. Like, that's pretty obvious, that's their dad, right? So we're kind of just like scratching our heads. What's the problem here? We should look like our dad because we have the seed of God in us. And what does it look like? It means we'll walk in light, we'll, we'll walk in righteousness, and we'll obey as a commandments, and they won't be burdensome. It'll be the natural thing for us to do because that's what God does, and we'll love one another. They will know we are Christians by our good singing. They will know we are Christians by our acts of service. They will know we are Christians by our love. The greatest of these is love. Love, love, love. So brothers and sisters, when I read through this, I wept. And I just said, God, I'm never, when I marked the, all the brothers and sisters, and then I went back and marked all the ones in the beginning of the epistle that I hadn't marked. And, and John saying, children, my children, little children, he says, little children, infants. He says children, and he says basically infants, little children. He says, I love you. The Father loves you. Walk in love like the Father. Go ahead, Lolo. Thank you. But whoever has worldly goods and sees his brother or sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God remain in him? So here we have another hallmark of the faith is that um, Christianity believers who have the seed of God in them give. And it sounds a lot like James 2, right? Not treating um, people one better than another because they're dressed better or they're better off, but treating people with impartiality because God is impartial. God just looks at a heart. He doesn't look at status like we do. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. And God says all the hearts are basically in the same condition of need. And they all need to come to me. They all need to repent. They all need to be born again of the spirit. And then they will be children of God. Hallelujah. How does the love of a God, here's this word, or remain or abide. If the love of God, you're born again by the love of God and you're in the love of God, your heart is going to be to help and to give, right? Little children, let's not love with word or tongue 
but in deed and truth. Surprising combination there for some, for, for me, that was like in deed and truth. Because he also talks about, uh, in the earlier chapters, he talked about if you say something, but you're not following through and you're not actually acting in love and light, you, you're a liar. Straight out. You don't love your murderer. You don't live in the light. You're a liar if you're saying you are. So, again, pretty, pretty straight up here, black and white. Little children, let's not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this. What's, what's the this referring back to? This love of God. We will know that we are of the truth if we, if we love and we will set our heart at ease before him. Anybody going to guess if that's the father or the son there? Father, good. That if our heart condemns us, that God is greater than our heart. Heck, who can say hallelujah to that? Wow, right? Like, do you ever like to stick your heart just condemning you and beating you up? And you're like, I'm such a sinner. I'm so sunk. I'm not worthy. And, and Jesus is like, yeah. You never were, but I love you, and I make you worthy because I love you, and you're in me, and now you can come boldly to the throne of grace because you're cleansed. Uh, God is greater than our hearts. He knows all things. All is a very biblical word. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Somebody say confidence. confidence. Give me some synonyms for confidence. Surety. Sure. Positive. Jenny, you're on the ball today, girl. Confidence. Aggression? Aggressive? Could be. Could be. Confidence. Somebody walks with confidence. What do they what do they look like? Courageous. Bold. Hey! That's a biblical word. Holy Spirit was given in the book of Acts. Why? So they would be bold and preach the gospel. That they would be bold because they know, John word, they know the truth. They know who the Savior is. They know who lives in them, and they're not afraid. And they know that the world is passing and that the kingdom of heaven is forever. So they're very bold. We have confidence before God. We have confidence to go into that inner room, into the into the holy of holies, we can go directly to the throne of God through Christ. Go ahead, Lorraine. And we, whatever we ask, this is, this is like, should be on a plaque, right, right? And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, is anybody kind of going, what? That sounds like a reward system. That doesn't sound like grace. Hey, because what happened first? You kept the commandments. Because we keep the commandments and do the things that are pleasing to him, whatever we ask, we receive from him. What? What happened to the grace? What's going on here? It's a both end, isn't it? It's a both end. Because you're going to keep the commandments because God in you is keeping the commandments. It's, it's, if you're in Christ, you can't help but keep the commandments because that's who he is. And he's going to live a life that's pleasing through you to him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so when the spirit of God in me asks for something for the sake of the kingdom and the glory of God, he's like, I'm all about that. You got it, kid. You got it. And we're going to see it more and more because he's purifying us and he's sanctifying us and he's making us confident and bold that we have what we ask because we're going to be asking according to his will. And it's the Father's will. Jesus never talks about his will, right? Not my will, but yours be done, Father. Hallelujah. This is his commandment. Whose commandment? It's the Father's. It's God. That we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. That's your commandment. To, that's his commandment to us. And that we love one another, just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments remains in him, and he 
in him. This sounds a lot like John 17 now, right? I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. And at the beginning, John says, if you believe this message and you are born again, you will have fellowship with us, and you will have fellowship with the Father and the Son. His commandments remain in him, and he in him. Okay, got the he's and him's there. We keep God's commandments and remain in Christ, and Christ will remain in me. We know this by this, that he remains in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody excited about that? I'm a little bit excited about this. Okay. So now I'm just going to end with like a blitz of truth. So fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be way too fast. You're not going to get it all. But it's like a bucket being thrown over you that you'll just go, that it's all true, right? Okay, here we go. Go ahead, Lolo. Oh, believe with a happy face. Hallelujah. Christians, great Christian certainties so far, because that's one, two, and three of 1 John, okay? Our faith is based on eyewitness, well-documented accounts. Read John 1, 1 John 1, 1. Walking in the light brings unity and fellowship with believers. See, they're all, they all have their references. This is pulled straight out of the this letter of, of John's. Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sin. And go ahead and put your name in there, right? Cleanses me from all sin. That's okay to personalize it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Or just. We have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus, the righteous. Jesus is the satisfactory sacrifice, the propitiation, the appeasing payment that paid for our sins and all those of the world, though they haven't recognized it yet. Keeping his commands show that we have come to know him. Multiple verses in those three chapters. The love of God is perfected or completed in those who follow his word. That's in chapter 2. The one who remains in him must walk as he walked. 2.6. Darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That's a really nice one, right? Love that. The one who loves his brother walks in the light, and nothing in him causes him to stumble. So lots of this light and darkness. The one who hates his brother is in darkness and is blind. Our sins have been forgiven on account of his name. The love of the world and the love of the Father cannot coexist in us. The one who does the will of God lives forever. We know this is the last hour. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You know the truth. The one that denies Jesus is a Christ is a liar and an antichrist. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. We have eternal life promised to us. God's anointing teaches us. Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. We are children of God. The world does not know us because it does not know him. When Jesus appears, we will be like him. He appeared in order to take away sins. No one who remains in Christ sins continually. Anyone who sins continually has not seen or known Jesus. The one who practices sin is of the devil. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. The one who does not love his brother or sister is not of God and remains in death. Hating your brother or sister makes you a murderer. We must lay down our lives for one another just as Jesus did. We must love indeed in truth, not just words. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commands and do the things that are pleasing to him. We are to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. We are to love one another, and the one who keeps his commands remains in him, and he in him. We know that he lives in us by the Spirit of God. That's a whole lot of truth, and that's called the good news. Anybody think it's good news? Give me a shout. In these little little letters, take the time to sit with the Holy Spirit and just say, say, God, show me. Show me the things that John understood that I haven't understood. You know, I just have appreciated John. Every time I study a letter, I'm like, I didn't get, you know, 2% of that the first time I read it. And then to take the time to study it out and just say, God, show me the richness of your word. Your word is alive, powerful. 
like a double-edged sword. It does heart surgery on us. If you feel like you need some refreshing, some renewing, sit with the word, sit before the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate truth to you and reignite the fire. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, which is truth, your word, which is alive, and your word, which is light. Thank you. You are God who is light and love and truth. And uh, Lord, you're just, you're so amazing. We just want everyone to know this. You have provided through your death and resurrection, Lord, the propitiation the appeasing sacrifice for everyone to enter in, but not everyone, Lord, has their eyes and hearts opened to the truth of the gospel. So we pray you would equip us and cause us to walk, as Ephesians says, in those good works that you prepared in advance that we would do, that we would see the kingdom come and your will be done wherever we live, wherever we go, and that you would uh, love through us and dispel darkness through us and destroy the works of the evil one through us as you designed that the body of Christ, the children of Christ who are born again of the the seed of God, that we would walk in love and power and display magnificent Jesus in the earth. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.